Welcome to Bedard's Unofficial St. John's Podcast. I believe we're at episode nine. And today what we're going to do is continue on our journey uh, on the Grand Portage, starting at Gunflint Lake, 5 a.m. in the morning, bright and early June morning. Uh, but first, we have our only advertisement of this podcast. And of course, it's about Toughest School in North America, written by Richard D. Candole. Uh, categorically the best selling book written about St. John's uh, Cathedral Boys School of Selkirk, Manitoba. Uh, so Richard, uh, and we welcome Richard, the author here today, as uh, we go through his journal of the Graham Portage. Richard, welcome. Uh, good morning and welcome. Uh, thank you for having me and uh, thank you for the kind words about Toughest School in North America it was a uh, project I enjoyed uh, writing many years ago and, and have brought back to life, thanks to you. Yes, let's, uh, should we start? I'll start right away on uh, going through the journal. Uh, June 24th, Thursday, 5 a.m. wake up time. Gunflip Lake food stop is within a morning's uh, paddle. We set out in pairs crossing South Lake and over which uh, at the end of South Lake was the height of land, meaning all water is flowing with us into Lake Winnipeg and the Hudson Bay uh, from now on. The portage length is 76 rods. Um, and I guess it's worth noting that because it is a, uh, in the Boyser days, this was a place for the, an official uh, Amdunard, uh, ceremony took place that was not instituted till later. Pierre, maybe you'd like to talk a little bit about that. Uh, a St. John's you know, version. I was not going to rub in the fact that you went, you know, you did 900 miles of the Grand Portage canoe trip and did not go through the height of land ceremony becoming an Umdenord, but uh, I wasn't going to go through that. But yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm actually quite surprised and shocked uh, that you didn't go through that ceremony when we did it. I'm pretty sure we each got a little caplet of 151 Bacardi rum uh, and uh, were blessed by a, uh, a pine bough or whatever the tree, the conifer happened to be at that time. And uh, we became Umdenord. Right. And, and how, I, how'd I you assume... do it? Oh, you did. <laughs> totally unrecognized. And uh, we just blew through that portage and, and kept going. Uh, we had, miles to go before we were allowed to sleep um but there we go well the um, thing i found interesting in the height of land is like the the ingenuity of north lake and south lake uh and the height of land being in between these two lakes one being north and south uh right. always caught my eye yeah and and the fact that as i would as i recall it it was it was a, a, just a a very slight rise of rock separating them you know if it, in a heavy water day or a heavy spring uh, runoff you, you, the the water could kind of go either way um uh anyway but i guess that was uh uh well, just and gunflit lake is the perennial american holiday minnesota lake i mean uh, there were a lot of people there at the lodge i remember seeing a lot of americans uh which come up you know, along the boundary waters. Uh, the boundary waters, of course, is, you know, so popular 
and gun flints right in the middle of it. Yeah. Neat. All right. Um, we crossed uh, over the portage into North Lake. Uh, Leonard, uh, Tracy too, and Mr. McCormick lost their bearing and headed east um, out, out of their way. Mr. Byfield in paddling the canoe I was in the west. Uh, and we ended up catching up to them and getting them back on track. We then shot a small rapids um, with two men loaded in the canoes, uh, which took us into Little Gunfoot Lake, Gunflint, Gunflint Lake. And we paddled on to then Gunflint Lake and met Mr. Doolin on the lake. And that was one of the other canoes that was in the, in the lead and paddled. Um, along the shore to Heston's Guest Lodge, which I think was one of two uh, lodges on, on uh, Gunflint. Then we spent uh, the rest of the morning repacking uh, the food boxes and left around noon and crossed the rest of Gunflint Lake up, up a channel into Magnetic Lake and lunched at the first rapids on the Granite River. So I don't remember stopping at Gunflint Lake or uh, being, you know, allowed to go in the lodge, though I may have just forgotten. But, you know, yeah. spending a half hour repacking food or a half day, that seems sort of uh, slack. Well, uh, we weren't we weren't uh, as hell bent on breaking previous records, I guess, as you guys were. I I know you had. Uh, Peter Jackson is the taskmaster uh, driving you forward. But I, I, I would say that it was uh, yeah, a couple hours well, might have been. You, you I, must have had Peter Jackson, the boat anchor or canoe anchor. Yeah, I, I don't remember what boat he was in, to be honest. Funny, that was uh, one of the other boats. That, the, the, the one little anecdote that I do like um, is that I, um, uh, there's uh, Terry Ellswood um, has been in correspondence with me uh, uh, since you published uh, Test Toughest, uh, Toughest School. And he remembered uh, Gunflint Lake because they were, two or three of them were able, to, I guess they must have overnighted there and they were able to sneak off and purchase some beer and bring it back to camp. Um, and I, I thought that was pretty daring, and I had certainly had no knowledge. But I, I'm sure any American lodge, you could buy beer at the drop of the hat, couldn't you? I, you may know that better than I, but... Uh, well, was I mean, Terry is a damn good Canadian. I think of all the St. John's boys who ever went there, he's probably one of the few who... He may have had a cup of coffee in the NHL. Uh, he was certainly, like, in the system. I talked to him about it, I think. But anyway, oh, okay. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I yeah. got him confused with what one nope. of your generation, but no, I think you're right. I think well, he, he I know he um he told me that he left the school after a year or maybe two years uh, to return because he was uh, you know so uh, up there in hockey and and I believe he was in Dryden is where he was he grew up uh, during that period and uh, played to a fairly advanced advanced level of hockey. I don't. I don't, you well, mean, you yeah, know, some people posit that the St. John's schools would still be in existence, you know, if we if we had uh, 
used our the energy and turned it into a hockey hell school but i just some people that's just some people i mean embrace canada completely yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah i guess uh in terms of national symbol uh the hockey is right up there with a canoe isn't it um i would think so i would yep yep and uh (laughs) but mr doolin i mean i knew uh well his daughter married uh, Mr. Folletti. Right. I knew Mr. Doolin was uh, still teaching uh, when I went 10 years later. Right. Yeah. FYI. Okay. Um, so we, um, during the afternoon, we crossed uh, Blueberry Portage around the falls and over another portage onto Clove Lake and up over another portage through Granite Lake and onto the swamp portage which had no swamp just thousands of bugs and mosquitoes uh so there must have been enough water there to for them to all hatch it may not have been swampy but we know about that and then finally reached uh uh, gneist lake about 8 p.m and camped at a channel exit um on a high rock cliff and enjoyed garlic sausage and pea stew uh, you know i love this entry uh because uh, garlic sausage seemed to have um appeared on the menu uh for this trip that it hadn't been on my two previous trips and it sounds like a a, a no-brainer uh long lasting kind of product to have on a canoe trip it's right up there with um jerky uh or pemmican uh which you probably had uh, Pierre, on your trips, but being a no, no, we didn't have pre- having again. a preference for bison. <laughs> yeah. But um, and and this pea stew, I'm a bit. Uh, it's a funny. I guess it's split peas that they've just boiled the heck out of and and turned into some kind of a a, a stew. Because I I noticed I, I've in in other places that where I have had diaries from the canoe uh, canoeing at the dinner menu uh was often i'll just list off a couple of things we used to have beef stew and either a chocolate or a butterscotch pudding and then tea uh sometimes we'd have craft dinner and i guess where they take those little boxes of craft dinner and that would be a quick and easy a quick and dirty uh dinner and then canned beans we used to take cans of beans um and a banana cream pudding uh sometimes and finally we'd have spaghetti take dried spaghetti and you and uh corned beef and dried mashed potatoes and veg and i think this is what this i noticed peas peas or beans so we but that was basically we'd rotate every three days through those two or three things that was our evening meal and i that would might be your memory as well Pierre. some of that well i mean the so in, i gotta identify the peas were they english peas or were they french canadian quebecois uh peas well they if you they had to be dried are. yeah so they'd be like that, i mean the voyageurs used to eat uh the quebecois peas where you have to soak them for a long time and then you cook them wow you have to at yeah. least soak them overnight so it probably wasn't that it wasn't that authentic it was probably more of this inedible yeah. english food well i, I think yeah, but I think you can buy peas now that have been soaked overnight and then re-dried so that they cook very quickly. 
Oh yeah, that's true. And if you have lentils, I mean, there's, I mean, yeah, this is, good, I mean, this is I, actually I, a good diet. It's actually the, everything you describe is a decent diet or, you know, it, you get your calories for sure. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that was, uh, that was the, the 24th, uh, June 25, a Friday, 5 a.m. Wake up, uh, sunny and the wet, uh, John West and the Doolin canoe left first we traveled through fast moving devil's elbow up to horsetail rapids rock uh, rock ledge path along the side of the falls very dangerous went on to Sa saganaga falls and over the portage and over onto Saga saganaga lake and then we headed southwest to american point um under broken skies uh the the west was me uh me following duel and got south of a chain of islands and lost in a wrong bay we then turned back rounded the islands through a channel and saw american point and there was uh mr mccormick mccormick beach waiting and others following um had a hardtack break and decided to lunch at the end of monument portage so let me interrupt you so were you yeah. in the John West? Were Pardon? you in the John West? Was that your canoe, the West? Yes, I was the uh, steersman, except when Ted Byfield, every third day he would steer. Uh, so we were... remarkably, that, I mean, that's that was a canoe in my new boy, uh, the West. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a canoe that um, it's, it is actually pretty prominent crossing Lake Winnipeg uh or cry you know coming into the beach off uh lake winnipeg or the mouth to the river but that's interesting that that canoe i wonder how many times the canoe was stripped and um you know re can re uh fiberglassed between the time you well, your yeah. trip and mine I mean, or just covered thing, over to keep that thing going i, I mean i don't I, I think what they got into doing was re-canvassing a little bit didn't they I, I don't well and I they don't just know. recover they just like refight like refiberglass yeah they, but the I'll I mean that this portion of the trip is really amazingly beautiful um yeah. as I remember it and uh a quick story about the John West is Jim Corkett I don't know if you knew Jim Corkett you may have met him later uh he was a teacher when I was there was steering and the west went over we were going through a rapids and he put us right over a rock when the water you know how the water ebbs and rises uh in right. rapids right like and he put us right over a rock at high water and the water dropped and the west literally snapped in half uh wow. inverse like backwards and when the water came back up everything just snapped back into place it was very odd like all the the uh the ribs the you know it's like the this it had a flexible armor after all these years of being you know coated but literally right at the right at the midpoint of the key wow. it broken it broke down like that uh in half you know in half inversed very weird but anyway, 
I digress. Uh, that yeah. was a little further down. Uh, but it's the same canoe, right? Uh, once a canoe yeah. was put into place, it was, you know, uh, redone. And of course, you have a great um, show on YouTube that shows, uh, talks about all the different canoes. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That in use at the so, schools. Yeah. Well, that's a, an, an amazing collection of, well, fleet, basically, of, of between the three schools. Uh, 30, 30 different boats, at least. Um, so why did you split up? Uh, what was the rationale? Uh, they, I, I think the main reason was that uh, it was uh, fairly tight quarters on the, on the portage trails often. And to have all five boats landing and setting up and, and you know, you just have gear strewn every which way. And it would get, it was too chaotic. Um, boys and, boys running off from the pack to go get a smoke out in the bush yeah i know i know what goes on i yeah. mean you know people oh, i got it yeah okay i think that was it it was just <laughs> control it wasn't yeah and it but people the, don't oh, understand this is like just, canoeing at disneyland i mean if god paid to have like wilderness kept up in like beautiful pristine condition right it, it's you can it's just amazing it anyway my experience it, i always felt like i a built of the this part of the trip was like canoeing through disneyland it's just the best canoeing yeah. area in quite possibly in the world for different park. reasons quetico not yeah provincial park for cambrian shield there's uh few to few to Areas, I guess the Algonquin area, you know, in Northern Ontario, or but that's that's almost the same. I mean, you know, it, very the similar, area. Uh, but a way more uh, populated. So you don't get that uh, solitude. You know, and the the solitude is is almost well, I don't know eighty percent of the of the experience when it's it's and just of, you alone. And of course, yeah. we didn't we didn't pack water. I mean, something to keep in mind, right? With all uh, all the work you do, I was drinking tons of water. I mean, you had, yeah, right? It's hard work canoeing. Yeah. Uh, no. And there was never a concern until later, but not in this area, right? Anyway. Well, yeah, in terms of purity, yeah. I, I, I don't, uh, we never did, uh, I shouldn't say that. We did do some purification. We had, uh, we just added to a bucket of water, yeah. But um, mostly we just put our, our we all, all, everybody had their tea mug, a Melmac tea mug. I still have one. And most of us have one. Hey, eh? I've got one. I use it for um, throwing chicken scratch out to my chickens, actually. Well, what funny. about your mess tin? Didn't you have a mess tin? Uh, we had mess tins. Yeah, I don't have one now. They're, they're metal I mean, I don't scratch. have it. I don't have no. it. I just said that's what we had the, at the time. Yeah, no, no I, it's, it's, that's true. I, I. I don't really remember the mess tin. I, I should more. I remember drinking out of those cups more than I do out of eating out of a mess tin. But th we definitely had something like that. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, good. All right. We'll carry on. Um, so we got to. Um, uh, it was a, had, had made it to Monument Portage and crossed it and had a lunch break. Um, there was a, a party of 
two-man aluminum canoes, five boats altogether, had crossed the portage going the other way. So it must have been ingested if if we were going one way and they were going the other. Uh, on those those portage trails are pretty narrow. Um, anyway, it took um, we took a half hour rest, planned to reach Port Prairie Portage that evening, which is our next food stop. I'm really amazed that we've got another food stop so soon, but uh, must be uh, the way the roads were accessible to our route. And then there was going to be nothing till obviously till Fort Francis from then on, I think. 3 p.m. We set uh, out across Otter Track Lake and or on the Otter Track and then onto Otter Track Lake and crossed into Little Knife Portage, a small portage that took us across to Little Knife Lake and onto um, through the across the lake through a hot afternoon and there met five or six more two-man canoes from the outward bound school oh my god slackers useless bloody slackers i you know i'm sorry i not that i'm a purist i but it's yeah. just not the same i mean a two-man canoe is a joy or you know you're on a pleasure trot uh you know it's yeah. It's just a whole different experience. I know the outward bound. You know what? I've never done too many canoe. I mean, I literally, I've never, I've kayaked yeah. in there, but never a real yeah. trip. I've never done. Oh, we yeah, we've done a couple of river trips, Wendy and I, but yeah, two two nights. They were very yeah, nothing. And then we, I, I now own a canoe, but I just go out for a few hours now. You know, and you're not taking your sleeping gear and your food. I mean, you're not trying to overnight in it, which uh, is is different. At, I think uh, the thing that I never got into, I mean, I always used to ask about if the school, I get asked about outward bound in the school. And, yeah. you know, the more I think about it, it's it was very hard for, I don't think outward bound, maybe outward bound may have scratched the surface of the whole day of everything, but it didn't really go that deep. I mean, yeah. you didn't have the, you, they sure as hell weren't doing a grand. Well, first it would have taken forever. They may not have, I mean, whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. I just didn't think it was as challenging. What we went through was crazy, insane. Well, I'll grant you that. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure they were out for a week or two, how far they went and how what kind of a pace they set, I have no idea. Um, you know, there uh, it was definitely recreational canoeing as compared compared to our or whatever ours was. Well, they were coming <laughs> from the girls' camp, obviously. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Coming up here, yeah, yeah. Um, right, reached the end of the lake and after passing. An island with a girls' camp. Yeah, uh, I don't know how we knew that. I guess they were waving at us from the shore. <laughs> you could see them anyway. Uh, chain of portages followed uh, the West Portage, uh, them all. But Leonard tried to shoot one of the one of the rapids, uh, smashing up on a rock, uh, very uh, nearly going over. I guess uh, by seven thirty p.m., the last boat was over this chain of five portages. All short, the longest being 73 rods, and arrived on Birch Lake, uh, assembled, and then crossed it and reached Port Prairie Portage, 
at around 9 p.m. and camped on a grassy field. Uh, gray, heavy sky in sight, like maybe when wet days ahead and had, but we had no rain that night. Um, yeah, this was again another food stop. Um, yeah. So the next not morning, to belabor the point, not to belabor the point, but there was still light at 9 p.m., right? Pardon? Sorry. When you reached uh, Prairie Portage, there was still light at 9 p.m. Yes, indeed. Of course, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, which is insane. So well, it's not the insane. Last, that's just, that's Ontario. The last week of, of June, uh, uh, yeah, it, this, it's 11 o'clock at night. It's still a bit of light, I would say. Uh, certainly dawn's 10. has got to be five. Oh, yeah, even four. It's, it's, Anyway, and there's some yeah, light, but you get up. You you are if you you are yeah. it, you can get in tune with the light, and there's lots yeah. of it. It's a lot. Hey, I preferred canoeing in June to September, where in June yeah, like, I, you might have like oh, sixteen hours of paddling, but in September it was eight hours maybe. Yeah, and it was it was dark by seven, um, and wet, uh, much wetter. But you're about yeah. to go into wet hell. We're about to find out why you guys didn't set the record. Oh, did uh, I say that? Yeah, yeah I did. I, yeah. I don't know. I get, we had quite a bit of rain, but yeah, it was. All right. Uh, June 26th, Saturday, um, slept in. Whoa. While the cook crew repacked our food boxes. Again? Uh, yeah. Had a small break in the store, short break, and waited an hour while they fired Oh, fix the bow of Leonard's boat. Yeah. Okay. So he must have hit that rock pretty hard. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm not sure what the port. I guess it was fiberglassing, a, a, a quick fix. Uh, There's not much you else you can do to these things. But on the other hand, you know, you're dealing with uh, cedar ribs, uh, yeah. you know, ribs. So they fit one into the other. You slap, like yeah. you slap. Um, goo or whatever you know I, it's fiberglass i mean my resin God, you know, resin some kind of resin then put yeah. fiberglass over it and it sets up hard and yeah. it gets and just a little bit heavier <laughs> which and it just keeps going that way right a I little mean, bit yeah. Yeah. Just, just thinking about the weight of those things they're they're brutal um <laughs> 11 a.m set off from prairie portage to cross Basswood Lake, uh, which is over 40, 30 miles long. Many fishermen on the lake uh, in motorboats. By 3 p.m., we reached the end of the lake, just ahead of a 30-mile-an-hour gale. I guess it was pretty blowing pretty good. We had arrived at Basswood Falls, marking the source of the Basswood River. It was evident a storm was upon us, for the whole sky was very gray and heavy. It was decided that those not in, on cook crew would portage, um, uh, which they take on and their second trip across while well, lunch, lunch, I would, yeah, okay, we're having late lunch. Lunch was prepared. The portage was just over a mile. I think this was, I won't say that, I think this was the second longest portage on the, on the trip. Mile sounds like quite a distance. There might have been one other on well, the trail. It obviously, took uh, a bit of organization. 
Pardon? And it, it well, two things. Basswood Lake's a big lake. Yeah. Um, and this took a bunch of organization, right, to get yeah. everybody through and stuff like that. So. Yeah. On the trail, we met an, an American in a motorboat, uh, well, a motorboat, motor canoe. We also met light rains around four o'clock. Meeting an American with a motor. That's like, I'm just blown away. Yeah, I wonder how heavy it was. It, I guess, I guess it, well, it was a gas motor, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. Uh, around four o'clock, we arrived back at the lunch stop and had our lunch. We finally cleared Basswood Falls around 5.30, leaving just two hours left in the day. Okay. Uh, Lower Basswood Falls was three portages away, it being the third and only a matter of five or six miles off. We set off in a drizzling rain, very discouraging for paddling. But nonetheless, through continual loading and unloading, we finally reached Lower Basswood to find we weren't the only ones on a canoe trip in that district. On the left side, beside the falls, a camp of about 10 temps, tents and canoes was situated. And on the right, there were three American fishing, but not camped. We camped on the right at the bottom of the falls. Tent space was limited, so I put our tent up on the one side just beside a smooth rock cliff. Mr. Vifield told me to take it down and put it on the portage trail. We ate dinner in, there we are, in 10 mesquites, no cups, and some with sticks for spoons, much to the amusement of the other canoeist camp nearby. We all slept well that night with only light drizzle and if everyone being by this time either slept in the tent or under the canoes which slept two boys very comfortably do you ever yeah, sleep you under guys a said uh can't say no nah, i never had to i just did yeah. the uh the um drop sheets when I was doing yeah, the tarps. When we were doing it, those were our tents and everything. Uh yeah. we each had a drop sheet and you uh, you know, you your buddy, you buddied up with somebody and then yeah. you had the floor and the kind of a bivouac. Yeah, that's basically what we did. But I never really got it. I mean, there wasn't really any reason to huddle under a canoe uh otherwise. Yeah. But you were limited on space, so I'm sure it was nice. A lot of Americans. Yes. <laughs> I, well, I can see why Byfield yelled at you about the cliff. You mean we were rolled off? No, Maybe. no, no. The fact that uh, damaged the side of the cliff, uh, damaged the face, the rock face. Lower Basswood is renowned. That whole area is really renowned for um, petroglyphs. Oh, and okay. Yeah, stuff Petrograph, like that. Yeah. So they don't, yeah, it's. I think it, we're getting it. Not not this episode, but we'll be talking petroglyphs soon. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, further down, I don't. And you, I believe you said you uh, spent a bit of time looking at them. I don't know that we did more than. I can't yeah, exactly. not that I knew what I was looking at. Yeah, but no. uh, they're literally up on a rock wall. You can't really even access. 
they they had to be done when water was much higher because yeah they're really they're up there right right and or at least wow. some of them. yeah because i not like they had scaffolding <laughs> well i'm sure there are some that are underwater right because yeah whenever they were done you know water was low like anything i mean else. i guess the easiest way would be when the water was really high in winter and uh you could stand on the ice but the and i, I doubt that happened much <laughs> it's not the time of year you'd be doing your petroglyph artwork so you know i was thinking we should uh as a promotion just to close this off as a promotion for the book yeah um you know if somebody buys oh shit, i don't know five thousand copies i i mean i'll 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 go back and do the Quetico portion of the Grand with them. If they want to buy 5,000 copies of Toughest School in North America and airdrop them throughout the United States and Canada, I will, Pierre Bedard will, you know, go on a Quetico trip with you. We can hang out right. at Gunflint. We can hang out at Gunflint. <laughs> Maybe the water is still drinkable. Who knows? Yeah. But anyway, with that, I know. Uh, any last I, closing uh, thoughts, Richard, about this segment uh, or anything? Uh, no, it was a uh, memory that lasts long with you. Those days on the you know canoeing in the in the backcountry, especially that part of the world. Um, and I've, 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 I've actually been reading way more about the canoeing backcountry now, just just because you kind of want to recapture some of that, those moments and experiences and, and seeing how other people write about it. Uh, it's um, my next challenge is uh, Hugh McClellan's Seven Rivers of Canada. I've got to read that one now. That's uh, going to be an interesting uh which rivers i mean we could probably between the three of us or two of us we could probably decide which rivers he picks but maybe not um you know, you know just I, I mean it. there's only one river and that's the saint lawrence uh for me so yeah. i'm sorry well, okay so that that's only one of seven you know <laughs> <laughs> uh actually that's one wrong. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to drag this out, but that's the one canoe. I always, always, always wanted to do um, yeah. a canoe trip there. And and that's why I was so interested in your uh, trip from Montreal to uh, New York in the book, because you oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. for a bit, and then you, you know, go up the Richelieu. And I mean, that's a... You know, the, the other thing I've realized in my reading is that the, the Long Sioux Rapids, which was I guess it was how you got a well it was a, a, a series of rapids that kind of emptied uh the Ottawa into into uh the St. Lawrence and that was almost as tough a portage as the Grand but they but they of course they were they were living right there and and that they would essentially the uh the, the canoe the fur trade brigades would begin well, I guess on the uphill side of the Long Sioux, that was where they would assemble uh, rapids. Oh, the warehouses were kind of in that area, but it's um, supposed to be. I haven't looked at it. I'd have to 
I hadn't realized, but it's it must be three or four miles long. This portage. Well, uh, it's you know, it's grand. it's it's the ninth, you know, eighteenth century supply chain uh, is what you got. You know, where yeah. moving goods from A to B, whatever you know, those goods are valued. Um, but anyway, so next time we'll keep going down this uh, great trip. I hope uh, you enjoy this podcast, everybody. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Yeah. Look forward to it. <laughs>